play ceases at the end of the first period, how many players are on the court for a team? Zero. They are not players during intermission. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Basketball Rules Expert, the show where we lift off of the printed page National Federation of High School Basketball Rules. We simplify, we clarify, and we amplify so that you can take the rules with you onto the basketball court. Greetings again. My name is Greg Austin with abetterofficial.com. I've been a high school basketball official for over a decade, and I'm a basketball rules expert. Purpose of this show is to help you on your journey to becoming a basketball rules expert as well. Today, we'll be continuing our multi-part series on technical fouls. Today, we'll be covering player technical fouls. Before we get started with the show, though, special shout-outs to show supporters, Keith German, David York, and Hayes Lesher. Much appreciated and much love. Also, a special shout-out to mega-supporter of the show, Jason Hayes. longtime supporter, very generous. Thank you, Jason. If you want to be a supporter of the show, you can always buy us a coffee at abetterofficial.com slash coffee. Let's get started with today's episode on player technical fouls. In previous episodes of the series, we've covered administrative technical fouls, substitute technical fouls, and team technical fouls. Today, we'll be covering player technical fouls. Before we begin, all personnel affiliated with the team, if they receive one flagrant technical foul, they are either disqualified or ejected. Or if they receive two technical fouls, they are either disqualified or ejected. Students are disqualified to the team bench. Adults are ejected from the premises, must leave the vicinity immediately, and not have contact in any fashion with the team for the remainder of the game. Those are parameters. If a team receives a technical foul, it counts towards the foul count towards bonus. If a team member gets a technical foul, that technical foul counts towards their two technical fouls towards disqualification. Also, there are five fouls towards disqualification and counts as a team foul towards bonus. Let's define what a player is. Let's look at rule four. Absolutely the highest priority rule for a new basketball official. But rule four, section 34, players, bench personnel, substitutes, and team members. Article one, a player is one of five team members who are legally on the court at any given time except intermission. During warmups, prior to the game, how many players are on the court? Zero. After the opening tip, how many players are on the court? Five. During a timeout, how many players are there in the game? Five. They retain their player status while, while a timeout is occurring. Play ceases at the end of the first period. How many players are on the court for a team? Zero. They are not players during intermission. 
They are team members. All right, that's what a player is by rule. Article 2. Bench personnel are all individuals who are part of or affiliated with a team, including, but not limited to, substitutes, players who go to the table to enter into the game, coaches, managers, and statisticians, right? So we could have adults on the bench. We could have students on the bench who are not team members, but rather fulfill other roles, team manager, statistician, etc. All right, Article 2 specifically says, during an intermission, all team members are bench personnel for the purpose of penalizing unsporting behavior. So this would be the intermission between the first and second periods. This would be the intermission at, between the second and third periods, or halftime, the intermission between the third and fourth period, and the intermission between the end of the fourth period and the beginning of any subsequent additional period. Article 3. A substitute becomes a player when he or she legally enters the court. If the entry is not legal, the substitute becomes a player when the ball becomes live. A player becomes bench personnel after his or her substitute becomes a player or after notification to the coach following his or her disqualification. So player's status or team member's status can change throughout the game. And we need to be aware by rule of what their status is because that's going to affect how we penalize any unsporting actions that they have and technical fouls. Okay, Article 4. A team member is a member of bench personnel who is in uniform and is eligible to become a player. All right, so that's a brief overview of player, bench personnel, substitutes, team members. Okay, let's look at Rule 10, player technical foul. A player must not, Article 1, participate after changing his or her number without reporting it to the scorer and an official. The penalty is a flagrant foul, penalized if discovered while being violated. Penalized if discovered while being violated. Let's remember, with all technical fouls, there's a window of opportunity for us to penalize. Article 2. Purposefully and or deceitfully Delay returning after legally being out of bounds. Interesting. How can a player be legally out of bounds in National Federation of High School Basketball rules? Players are allowed to be out of bounds during a throw-in. We have a thrower. They are legally out of bounds. Also, players can leave the court due to momentum, right? Player goes in, makes a layup. Their momentum carries them 10 feet beyond the end line, and they are out of bounds. They are legally out of bounds. This rule addresses a situation where that player does not immediately return to the court, right, and is deceitful about it. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to gain an advantage. They're trying to, you know, essentially hide their presence from the other team. So maybe the other team will make a mistake make a pass that they can immediately step onto the court and steal the pass, or they may be able to be wide open for an easy basket. They have purposefully and or deceitfully 
delayed their return after being legally out of bounds. So that's a possibility. Another much more likely situation is during a throw-in. And the thing is that coaches don't know this rule necessarily and will actually run plays that have the player uh, make themselves liable for a tactical foul here. I'm the thrower and line throwing. I, um, I throw the ball to a teammate near the division line. And then the play is set up that we're going to run two, two screeners are going to come towards the far end line. I'm going to run, stay out of bounds, not return to the court, go around those two screeners, one of which is set up right near the end line. And I'm going to emerge on the other side, undefended for an easy three-point shot, right? In this instance, the player is delaying their return purposefully to the court. They're not immediately entering the court and then going to the far side for an open shot. They are delaying their return after being legally out of bounds and are at risk in that situation for a player tactical foul under Article 2. Article 3, grasp. Grasp either basket at any time during the game except to prevent injury. Dunk or stuff or attempt to dunk or stuff a dead ball. So the key part of this is players are not allowed to dunk or stuff or even to attempt a dunk or stuff during a dead ball. Article 4. Illegally contact the backboard slash ring by A. Placing a hand on the backboard or ring to gain an advantage. B. Intentionally slapping or striking the backboard or causing the ring to vibrate while a try or tap is in flight or is touching the backboard or is in the basket or in the cylinder above the basket. Intentionally slapping and striking the backboard. Players during the game may legally slap or strike the backboard as long as their action is part of an attempt to block a shot that action is legal if that action if their actions are not part of an attempt to block a shot if it was not then it's not a legal action player technical okay article 5 delay the game by acts such as a. Preventing the ball from being made live promptly or from being put in play. Officials are ready to administer a throw-in. The official bounces the ball to the thrower. The player on the court um, wants a substitute to be able to get to the table and, and reaches out and deflects the ball before it becomes live by being at the disposal of the thrower. We have prevented the game from being made live. We are at risk for a player technical foul. B, failing when in possession to immediately pass the ball to the nearer official when a whistle sounds. Now, obviously, immediately pass to the official is completely dependent upon the situation in the game. But if a player intentionally makes it so that it does not get to the official immediately, then we become in the realm ability to assess a technical foul. Player rolls the ball towards out of bounds as the official is approaching. Player will not give the ball to the official. A 12, ball please. And like, will not give you the ball. 
you know, oftentimes you could say because they are frustrated with some event in the game, etc. But when a player does not immediately make the ball available to an official after a whistle, and immediately is a very relative term in this instance, they are at risk for a player technical foul. C. The free thrower fails to be in the free throw semicircle when the official is ready to administer the free throw unless the resumption of play procedure is in effect following a timeout or intermission. Great scenario. Okay, it gives us a chance to, to address resumption of play. When do we use, as officials, when do we use resumption of play to make the ball live? Resumption of play is used after a timeout or an intermission. Let's say we're not using the resumption of play. A foul was called. The a point guard for Team A was fouled. Team A coach, Megan, Megan, come here, come here, right? It says, okay, when we're running the, the trap of the press, we need to find players on the wing. Da, da, da. Coach, we need the player. No, uh, just a second. Uh, and then we need to do this, and we're, right? The player is not in the free throw semicircle ready to shoot the free throws. They are at risk for a player tactical foul. Even though in this instance, it's the coach who's causing the issue, the player needs to be there. If they are not there and we are ready to resume the game, then they are at risk for a player tactical foul. Article 5D, repeated violations of the throw-in as in 9-2-10. This one really stumps me exactly what NFHS wants here, because we know that 9-2-10 refers to a defender during a throw-in breaking the plane, which leads to a delay of game warning, or if a delay of game warning has already been issued, it would lead to a team technical foul. My only guess is repeated violations of that, which would lead to a tactical foul, tactical foul, tactical foul, tactical foul, but so let's say we, we have this, we uh, have a tactical foul, we have a division line throw in opposite the table, same defender, and they violate again. Maybe it's a way for us to say, okay, we need to make this on the player because if that way, if they keep doing this, they will be liable for disqualification with a second player tactical foul. That's all I could think of on this, on this clause of the rule. Let's move on to Article 6. Commit an unsporting foul. Now, this is the meat and potatoes of this rule. Unsporting actions by players on the court. Article 6. Commit an unsporting foul. This includes, but is not limited to, acts or conduct such as disrespectfully addressing or contacting an official, gesturing in such a manner as to indicate resentment, a wave off, etc. All of these actions would be unsporting actions by players. Players deserves and would be assessed a player technical foul. Using profane or inappropriate language or obscene gestures, right? Now, we're just talking about technical fouls here. All of these acts can rise to the level of a flagrant technical and the player is immediately disqualified from the game if they are assessed a flagrant technical foul. These are the actions using profane or inappropriate language or obscene gestures. At risk for a technical foul, certainly at risk for a flagrant technical foul. C, baiting or taunting an opponent. It's, Article C has a note, 
The NFHS disapproves of any form of taunting which is intended or designed to embarrass, ridicule, or demean others under any circumstances. NFHS makes a priority that there will be no taunting in the game. D. Purposely obstructing an opponent's vision by waving or placing hands near his or her eyes. Again, this is something that is potentially coached. But players, NFHS does not want you waving your hand close to a player's face, right? This is not a legal defensive activity, right? Having your hands up, waving your arms, if you're, a throw, uh, if you're guarding a thrower, let's say, are legal. Waving a hand in the face is not. A player, if they perform that action, is at risk for a player technical foul. Faking being fouled knowingly attempting a free throw or accepting a foul to which player was not entitled. Faking being fouled, embellishing, gone wrong. Player, a three-point shooter, attempts the shot, comes back to the floor, the defender's legal, there's no contact, the shooter crumples to the floor as if shot by a sniper in the leg, Faking being fouled, if in the judgment of the official, that is what occurred, that they are at risk for a player technical foul. G, use alcohol or any form of tobacco products, e-cigarettes or similar items. So there is no vaping on the bench. H, removing the jersey and or pants skirt within the visual confines of the playing area. Imagine scenarios where... Players are required to maybe replace illegal equipment. And this is where we come in as officials. We have to use preventative officiating. Player has an illegal undershirt. They are not allowed to participate. We instruct the coach that they are not allowed to participate with that illegal equipment and apparel and that they need to change it. And then we try to help them through the process by having the player leave the visual confines, get their uniform correct, and come back afterwards, right? If players remove their jerseys and or shorts and or skirts during the game in the bench area, that team member is liable for a player technical foul. I, leave the playing court for an unauthorized reason to demonstrate resentment, disgust, or intimidation. Player does not like your call, ref. Right, and they storm off the court, uh, go by the concession stand into the back of the stands, strutting around, uh, visibly upset. Right, this makes a player at risk for a player technical foul. Article seven: intentionally or flagrantly contacting an opponent when the ball is dead, and such contact is not a personal foul. Dead ball contact. Play is occurring. Whistle blows. Player A1 doesn't like what B1, how they were guarding them, decides to give them a shove during dead ball situation. That, that is dead ball contact. That would be a player technical by rule. Article 8, be charged with fighting. This is an easy one. Be charged with fighting is a flagrant technical foul, and the player is immediately disqualified. Article 9, Commit goaltending during a free throw. Goaltending, not basket interference. Committing goaltending during a free throw is a player technical foul. 
Article 10. Reach through the throw-in boundary plane and touch or dislodge the ball, as in 9-2, penalty 3. But to reach through the boundary plane and contact the ball is a player technical foul. With all these others, the penalty is exactly the same. Goes against the player towards their, two, towards their one flagrant towards disqualification, two technicals towards disqualification, five fouls towards disqualification. The penalty is always two free throws and the ball to the offended team at the division line opposite the table. That is a summary of player technicals. Okay, quick review. Let's remember our circle of life, as it were, for players. Everybody before the game is a team member. The game starts with five starters. They are five players. Five players. Game is going on. Substitute comes into the game. They report. They enter the game. They become a player. The player they replaced becomes a team member on the bench. We go to a timeout. We still have five players in the bench area. We resume the game. Play goes on. We get to the end of the period. Now it's an intermission. No more players. Everybody's a team member. Next period starts. We've got five players. Substitute comes in, etc., etc. We need to know the status of players at any point along the way so that we can properly adjudicate when a technical foul occurs, which penalty will apply. Today we've learned about player technicals. We have one more episode to go, and that is on bench technicals. That refers to team members, coaches, etc. We'll cover that in our very next episode. And with that, we're going to wrap up today's episode on player technical fouls. Thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. If you're an official who finds value in this kind of content, the important thing to do is hit subscribe below and the notify bell so that you don't miss out on anything. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around to the end. That's going to wrap up this episode of Basketball Rules Expert. As we always do, we've prepared a quiz back at the website. You can find the quiz in the show notes. If you want to become a supporter of the show, you can always buy us a coffee at abetterofficial.com slash coffee. Leave a review for the podcast. Follow and we'll see you in the very next episode. Take care.